Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices from faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. I'm honored to be joined today by a fellow curriculum nerd, Kelly Tooten, who is the Curriculum and Instruction Coordinator for Virginia Academy, a private Christian school in Ashburn, Virginia. Her classroom experience covers a wide range of junior high and high school English classes. Her dream is to get even more involved in coaching others in relevant pedagogical practices, especially in faith-based education. And I'm always excited to talk to other curriculum nerds. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much. I am so excited. So I use the word curriculum nerd in the best way possible. I could honestly talk about methods, materials, strategies, research, all the things about curriculum all day, every day. So it's always fun to get a chance to talk to someone like you. How do you feel about that term curriculum nerd? Are you okay with it? I am totally okay with it. I love it. It is wonderful. Great, great. So in terms of loving all things curriculum, that's what I think a curriculum nerd is. I think you're unique among our guests here on the Teacher's Lounge in that you're the first to have a teacher TikTok page. And so you dabble a little bit in TikTok to the tune of about 25,000 followers. Yes, correct. That's amazing. What kind of things do you share on your TikTok page and how can we find it? Okay, so my handle is at your fave English teacher. And the content is really for students. And I think that's why it has so much of a following is because it's for students. So really I package, maybe you could say even learning targets or helpful hints in a TikTok box, which I think is really fun and helpful. And students seem to enjoy it. I was just going to say, what a great way to reach your students, maybe where they are. I know those of us that are more Facebookers or Instagrammers, we're of a certain age. That's old hat these days. So that's amazing. We want to talk a little bit about instructional leadership today, more specifically classroom leadership. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your story. Why did you get into education? What excites you about education? Why faith-based education? Great. So yeah, a little bit about me. I knew I wanted to be a teacher from the moment I was five years old. I used to play teacher with my stuffed animals, which is embarrassing to say, but it's just a desire that the Lord put in my heart for a, a while. I went to Liberty University and I got to study under some great teachers. And also I had some amazing teachers in high school. And really, I didn't have the faith-based learning experience. I did go to public school. But then when I started having children of my own, I realized the big value and the great value in faith-based learning. So I am really passionate about packaging instructional strategies that are relevant to maybe the modern day society inside of a box that is under the framework of our Christian faith and how we roll, what we do, because I don't think it's mutually exclusive. You know, I don't think it has to be either or. I think it can be both and. There are great philosophical practices that maybe are not of our faith, but we can package them in such a way to put our own spin or take or whatever. And what we believe is like an institutional, helpful, faith-driven decision. Yeah. The mission of a Christian school, I think, would drive us towards the best strategies, the best practices, the most research-based practices for the sake of our students. That should be baseline, and it is hard to keep up with all of that. So it's great to have people like you who are like, hey, let me share some ideas with you. You recently completed a master's degree at the University of Virginia. What were your takeaways from that? 
yesterday was my birthday and I received my diploma. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where I became aware maybe of curriculum as what we learn, right? Instructions, how we teach it. Curriculum is what we're learning, the content and all that stuff. More than that, but we'll just say that as a baseline. So at UVA, I had a lot of professors that would ask questions like, what is the purpose of this lesson? Or what is the purpose of this? Or how are we going to frame this for students to best understand? And all of that got me thinking. I was thinking, if there's got to be a way to get this information into faith educators' hands. There's got to be a way to package this so that somebody can use all of these best practices that maybe are not relevant to Christianity and put them in such a way that would help their instruction or that help their classroom. My takeaway from my study there is multicultural education is multifaceted Mm -hmm. and there are plenty of options and helpful tools to give educators so that they can teach a wide variety of students with a wide variety of practices, but it doesn't have to be without the overarching umbrella of the Lord's work. Again, it's the both and. So I was inspired by my classmates there. I got to share my story of faith a lot. There was one specific assignment that we had to write our guiding philosophy of grading and education and all that. And obviously mine is not without that. I believe what I believe about the Lord and about how he has called us to instruct others well. I think if we're Christians in this arena, we should be doing it the best. Our classroom should be the most irresistible environment. Our practice should be the most cutting edge, just in obedience to what he's called us to do. So it was nice for me to share that. That's amazing. I love your approach. The idea that there's only one right way to teach something is a misconception right? because there's a variety of learners and a variety of people, and we can take a very relational approach and understand Mm -hmm. our students and pull strategies from our toolkit. That's something that I like to encourage teachers to think about. And yet staying up with all of the opportunities and the strategies and the research, that's very hard. And that's why being part of a learning community and turn anything that we're learning into something mm-hmm. that other people can benefit from is helpful. So is that part of what you do in your role there as a curriculum and instruction leader at Virginia yes. Academy? Yeah, it definitely is. I really enjoy curriculum and instruction. I used to just teach in my own classroom, but now I have access to all of them. It's not just my one bird's eye view that I have now. It's a whole vertical alignment. It just broadened. So really what I try to do with the teachers that I coach is to help them understand that they are a leader in their classroom and that they do have the tools like myself and others with them. So what I call myself as a coach, like a classroom coach, there's a lot of things that teachers do that are amazing. And then there's a lot of things that teachers might not know that they do. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you're going to coach somebody on a basketball team, they can't see themselves dribble. You're watching them dribble, right? Mm -hmm. So I always say, if you were in my seat, you would probably be thinking the same thing I'm thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I do just really like to coach and help where I can. Help them see things they might not be able to see. So from your seat, from your vantage point, what is one of the biggest needs or deficiencies among educators that you've observed? Great question. I think that I really want to build confidence in teachers for Mm -hmm. them to own their classroom. And I don't want that to sound in misalignment with administration, 
because mm-hmm. the best way to own your classroom is to fall under your leadership. You mm-hmm. can't own it without being under them first. Right. So really, I just want to empower them to own their instruction. There's a big difference between a teacher that is confident in what they're speaking about and even competent. They understand the content and they can speak it well and they can own it. And there's a big difference between teachers that are not. So really, I believe every teacher is able to do that. It might look different depending on you and how you can get across that line and move that way. This might be a gotcha question, so I'll apologize in advance, but what would you describe as the opposite of that? What's the opposite of ownership and confidence and competence? What do you see as far as characteristics in those areas? That's good. This might be a hot take, but (laughs) I know inside of our world, we use the verbiage classroom management. Mm -hmm. I know that, and that's great. I get it. But I would say that the opposite of a classroom owner is a classroom manager, Mm. management versus leadership, there's two different facets. So if you're not owning your classroom, you're just simply managing it. We could take it a step further and say you're entrusted with your classroom. So everything rises and falls on you. And if you're just managing it, there are some things that you might not think you have to do. There might be some things like, I don't know, you name it. There might be some things you don't think you have to do to manage your classroom. When in reality, you are ridiculously in charge of owning everything that happens in that room. And you could even expect greatness because you believe that all the students in your room are capable of this. So for those of us who have a tenuous relationship with classroom management, I'm not even in the classroom anymore, but some of my recurring dreams are always around classroom management that isn't going well. It sounds like you're saying, let's take it to a higher level or a deeper level. Mm-hmm. How do you draw that out? How do you encourage teachers to embrace that idea? I will say it's tough. I think it's tough even for me. I get to teach, luckily, one class, only one. Mm-hmm. I teach an AP language and composition class. I still get to practice this. I'm still mm-hmm. doing laps around the track. But I would say there's a difference between taking ownership of your classroom and then managing your classroom. How do I help teachers to own their classroom? is really you have to be an influencer and inspire. And there's a difference between assigning work. Managers can assign tasks, right? But leaders of their classroom can influence buy-in. I can influence buy-in my students then I'm, that's half the battle. (laughs) So bringing that out, I think that's one way. Managers try to control. Okay. So I'm trying to control my classroom which is good. You should have control over your classroom. I want to say that's not good. But I would say instead of only that, I would inspire trust. Mm. So how can I get my students to trust me? I have been entrusted with them. And how can we build this bridge of trust together? If everything rises and falls on the rules, then sometimes they're silly rules. Mm. But if everything rises and falls on your relationship, and building that trust, then it's a lot easier to keep control or to just lead, encouraged by an influence that. It sounds messy. That sounds <laughs> very relational. It sounds like getting down in the mud, you know, mm-hmm. and learning who your students are and what makes yeah. them tick. That's the hard work of teaching. And yet I think all of us would say, those of us who feel called to teaching, we would say, this is why we got into it in the first place. Nobody yeah. wants to manage. When right. We need, exactly. Right? Exactly. <clears throat> So we're planning a webinar on this topic in October entitled Classroom Leadership. Our listeners can check it out on the events page on Mm -hmm. the webpage. So I don't want you to give away too much of the webinar, but what are some of the other topics that you hope to cover around this umbrella? I think that that was one of them a little bit, Mm -hmm. just a little bit of the manager versus lead. 
that's something. And there's also going to be covering some preparedness. So I think there's a difference between teacher planning and teacher preparing and how that translates to instruction time. There's so many strategies just at our fingertips, but how to use that, like I've just described as a relational sense, how to use the strategies to almost bolster the trust instead of just deflate it, I think is good because inside of the context of your classroom, you're going to need tools to use to help build that trust. So just give some language around what that is. Uh And then also... I don't know if I should give it away. I won't give it all the way away. Let's go back and talk about the difference between that ownership mentality and that leadership mentality. What are some of the pitfalls or misconceptions or poor practices, faulty assumptions Mm -hmm. that would lead a teacher to embrace that management style as opposed to a leadership style in their classroom? That's good. I think if I want a teacher to feel confident and empowered in what they can do in their classroom. And I think that ultimately comes with asking the question, how am I going to do this? And why am I going to do this? Mm. Instead of what do you need me to do? And when do I need Mm. to do it? So that's really the question to ask is how am I doing this? And why am I doing this? But Simon Sinek actually has a book, Start With Why. So if we can, as leaders in our classroom, understand why and how, then how are we expecting our students to? And then also, if I am having the what and when mentality, then I'm just regurgitating what I think needs to be done, but I'm not owning or creating or inspiring any of that. I can't help but see the connections between why and how versus what and when and higher level thinking, critical thinking. Mm-hmm. This is what we want out of our students, right? Right. right? And we struggle sometimes when Johnny raises his hand and says, why do I have to learn this stuff? Yeah. But that's the question every student should have. It is. And it should be the question that every teacher is always asking anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a really powerful dichotomy that you set up there. So say that again, why and how versus, versus what and when. Hmm. Yeah. So how am I going to teach this and why am I teaching this? And that's the ownership mentality. That's, I'm owning that. I have owned mm-hmm. it. It's mine. And then what do you need me to teach and when do I teach mm-hmm. it? And that's the manager. Yeah, that's the manager. Yeah. The person who's just carrying water as opposed yeah. to the person who's trying to build a reservoir. It reminds me of when the friends lower them, their friend to Jesus. Mm-hmm. They were thinking, how can I do this? Mm-hmm. They knew why. They wanted their friend to be healed. But they were thinking, yeah. how can I make this happen? They weren't asking anybody. They weren't asking anybody, when should I lower him down? Right. They weren't asking for permission, were they? No. Yeah. Back to that idea of ownership versus management. What are some of the pitfalls or the problems in student outcomes or achievement Mm -hmm. if we just stick to that management idea? I think you already alluded to lack of engagement, maybe even boredom. If the teacher's bored, the students could be bored. But what else would you see? That's a great question. Teachers' working conditions are student learning conditions. Mm. How I am working is affecting how my students are learning. If I am not doing the owning, then how are they going to? There's a lot of things we say, I can statements or hit the learning target or anything. If I am not owning that material and I'm not packaging it in a way that they understand it, and that could be through differentiation, then how are they themselves gonna own it when they go to take the assessments? Also, I think sometimes we forget, have you ever been in school for eight hours a day? (laughs) Yeah, long time ago. 
I think sometimes we forget. I go to our orientation week for our school and I sit by the end of the day, it's draining, right? It is. I think we forget that it's difficult to expect a student and we go through blocks one hour and 20 minutes. That's difficult. Oh, wow. So I think it doesn't always have to be amazing, inspiring, engaging. Sometimes it's going to be not that. If you yourself have the mentality of I'm going to own our in-class work time, what does that look like? Really, it's engagement, it's student engagement, it's student retention for your school, it's that. Yeah. It does have a ripple effect. There are some pitfalls, but it's possible to figure it out. And you could probably cite studies, most of us can, that connects emotion with the ability to learn. Right. And boredom is mm -hmm. usually the absence of emotion or it's negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Whereas inspired teaching, motivational teaching is all about capturing those positive emotions and funneling them in. And that's what it sounds like you're describing to a certain extent here as well. Let's understand the why and the how, mm -hmm. but not just the what and the when. Yes, correct. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's an amazing mm -hmm. idea. So in your experiences, either personal or as you've observed other teachers, do you have stories, anecdotes, examples of the difference that this kind of a practice makes? I do. I haven't had many laps around this track, but I have had the opportunity to work with foreign language teachers. They're my favorite to work with. Don't tell anyone, but <laughs> uh, that's okay. So yeah, I was just working with a teacher and explaining to her this process and being a leader in her classroom. She shared with me that she thought that she knows she has a student. She knows she has her content that she has to get through, but out of respect, I want to do what it says I need to do. Uh -huh. And I was like, rightfully so. Please, please do. Please teach your content. That's good. But I opened a window with her. I went to one lesson and I said, today, I want you to do what you always do. She did. And then we met and I said, okay, now I want you to teach the same lesson, the same exact one, the same exact classroom, everything, but I want you to own it. And I want you to do it how you think your students would want it to be. Uh -huh or how you think that this would best be communicated. And it was completely different. One lesson was not like the other lesson. And that was encouraging to her. Yeah. Wow, okay, I can do this. And she really struggles. She, Admittedly, she would say this, she did struggle with classroom management. She really did. And I said, we're not a manager, you're a leader. You led your classroom through this. And did you notice that all of your students were engaged? There are middle schoolers. There's the occasional something. Yeah. <laughs> But they were engaged and she felt confident. I will say it's not always the case. Sometimes it takes multiple light lessons. Yeah. But that's just one tangible example about how it really helped her. There is some research about a new, maybe cutting edge, I'm not sure, a strategy called a treatment agreement. Mm. So that also is discussed. That was not my idea. Just to put that out there. <laughs> but that's something that our school as a whole is using this year. And oh, interesting. Serious fruit come from it. So I just wanted to share yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think that probably will resonate with a lot of the educators in our network. And like I said, their desire to inspire students right. and not just berate them into passing the class. That's good. <laughs> I asked you earlier about maybe some of the deficiencies that you see in education from your mm -hmm. vantage point. You get to observe a lot of teachers. You have big ideas that you're sharing. What are some of the highlights that you see, especially in faith-based education today? What excites you? What isn't exciting? 
Yeah. I love my school. I love it. I love Virginia Academy. Just today, I actually gave the chapel message to our students this morning. And what's exciting to me is seeing teachers help build the faith of their students outside of classrooms. I really love that we just get that opportunity. That's not in a public school arena. I was there. That's not that. So if we're going to build together a great learning environment, it actually, I feel like, starts with stuff outside of the classroom. So I'm really excited and grateful that Christian education gets to maybe attend a chapel. I know a lot of schools have those. They also get to attend sporting events. There are so many faith-based organization, great things that build that environment. And I just think it's great. I think it's needed. It's really needed. At our school, we call them, we launch arrows into the world to hit the mark, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we forget sometimes that the future is in our classroom. And really, as we go through our educational time, maybe, I don't know how long we'll be in education, how long we'll teach, we'll go through roughly 3,000 students. Oh, wow. So it's exciting. It's an important job. It's an important job. And it's exciting because we have the opportunity day in and day out to really connect and help others, help students. Yeah. I can't put my finger on what I'm most excited about. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea that we get to do this. It sounds like you're describing some of those cultural components, the way right. that we do school differently. And sometimes it is the extracurriculars or the co-curriculars mm -hmm. that really allows us to set the tone for our culture. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I want my students to go and we, our school speaks this language. We want our students to go and be thermostats, not thermometers. Mm -hmm. So like you said, set the tone. I think our faith-based institutions help to bring that out of students. And they don't only get to learn academics, right? They get to learn a lot of other great things that are really helpful for the later workplace or professional arena. Mm -hmm. So that's good. This is great stuff. Can't wait to hear more from you in the webinar that you have planned for us. Thanks so much for being willing to share it. And thanks for being willing to be a part of the podcast today, joining the Teacher's Lounge. It's been great to hear about your passion for education and teaching and instruction and learning and students and faith-based education, all of those things. We're looking forward to hearing more from you. I'd like to give you the last word. As you think about your role and your interaction with teachers, if you had the opportunity to tell any teacher one thing, one or two sentences, what would you think teachers need to hear today more than anything else? Great. I would just encourage teachers that they are the right teacher for the job. Nobody else can do what they can do in their classroom, and they are equipped and empowered to make that happen. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Kelly. It's nice Thank to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also, be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at CurriculumTrack.com.